don't, don't treat your employees as the bad guys, as, you know, threat <laughs> actors, right? You have to treat your employees as part of the solution and, and not the problem. You know, we're talking about SaaS adoption being like an addiction. There is a new SaaS application every five, 10 minutes. I think by blocking employees from doing those things, it's, it's a mistake. When you have something like a tool that can use AI and for summarization, image generation, um, programming, really anything like that is great power. Who says tech can't be human? What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm going to be talking about two of my favorite topics, AI and cybersecurity. And I don't think that there's anything more interesting in my world or really in the world of technology than AI and cybersecurity. So I'm excited to dig into these topics with a good friend that I've been known for many years. Today, our special guest is Jaime Belasco. Jaime is co-founder and CTO at Nudge Security. And I know, Jaime, you've been, you know, doing a lot with Threat Intel, a lot with SaaS, and now we're going to put it all together today with a little bit of AI on top. But most importantly, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. Thank you so much for, for the invite and, you know, looking forward to the discussion. As you said, we have known each other uh, for a long time and always enjoy talking to you. So uh, we'll be, it's going to be fun. So let's just jump right into it, right? We're going to be talking about AI and cybersecurity and you can't really think about AI today without also thinking about SaaS. I think SaaS really helps us interface with AI tools like ChatGPT, uh, MidJourney, so on and so forth. And what I've noticed is SaaS started out kind of as a necessity for productivity. And it feels like it's kind of turned into a bit of an addiction. Uh, what is your perspective on like, the the SaaS adoption rate, but also how it fits into AI today. Yeah, definitely, and and that's that's one of the things that uh, you know we took into account when we started the the uh, match the the current company. Right, we saw that trend of SaaS adoption growing uh, very very uh, very very fast, and you know some of the trends like you know COVID also you know people working from home they will pick whatever tools they were comfortable with. And then we saw that, you know, IT and security teams were having a, a terrible time keeping up with this trend, right? Because, like, it wasn't uh, longer the case where you will ask IT for, like, a SaaS tool. You'll just, like, put your credit card and, and adopt that, right? Uh, as you mentioned, AI is it's also, uh, you know, adding fuel to the fire, which is, like, we <laughs> see all these new tools all the time, which are so cool, make you so make you so productive. But at the same time, those companies are moving super fast and probably they're taking some shortcuts in terms of security posture, right? So that combination of how can you allow your employees to adopt the tools that make them productive, but at the same time, uh, reduce the risk and protect uh, your company is going to be one of the, you know, big uh, things where that companies need to focus on these days. For sure. 
And what are you, what are you most excited about when it comes to AI and also when it even comes to SaaS? Like what are the areas of opportunities and what makes you most excited about those? Yeah, personally, um, for my teams, uh, we have found that, you know, Copilot, like GitHub Copilot and similar tooling to make uh, developers more productive is just a no-brainer, right? It's just, it's so yeah. cool when, you know, I open my ID now, I'm like, you know, probably 25% of the code is, is suggested <laughs> to me now. It's just like, it's it's amazing. And I think we are only seeing the tip of the iceberg, right? I think once we spend more time with the tools, um, be more comfortable with them and connect them to our, you know, CICD the, the environments a little bit uh, closer. We're going to see so many new use cases showing up that are going to make, you know, developers so, so productive. It's just insane. And, you know, areas like unit testing, uh, integration testing and documentation, it just makes boring things that need to happen, but it makes it a little bit more manageable for, especially for smaller teams. At the same time, when you are a junior developer, you know, it just makes you move faster. It also will allow you to learn faster from mm -hmm. your coworkers. So it's just a lot of uh, a lot of great use cases we are seeing now. So think back for a second. When you were earlier on in your career, when we first met, you were focused on threat intelligence. Uh, you were working at Alien Vault and had a great and successful run then. Walk us through a little bit about, you know, what were you doing at Alien Vault um, and threat intelligence? And do you see uh, a use case or a way that you could have used AI if it was available back then? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, so I I, I was leading research and also a machine learning team at, at Alien Vault and then mm. at and right? So we were actually applying machine learning uh, early on, uh, what has happened though is like, you know, the new developments with, you know, transformers and especially, you know, la large language models is, is just allowing many new use cases that before were, were not possible, right? But, you know, back in the day, we would use traditional machine learning, uh, things like boosted trees or even, you know, some uh, neural networks. But, you know, it, it was a little bit different. It was more about, you know, uh, you know, supervised learning, meaning right. you will have to have use cases where you have a lot of labeled data. And, you know, some of the uh, some of the early successes there were malware classification, right? Because we have, you know, years of and years of like malware samples and then classifications for antivirus engines and other heuristics. So we could actually trace those models. And we also did the uh, research in areas like, you know, uh, the DGA detection for malicious domains. That was a big know. one. Yeah, even classifying domains for like tons of different features that we will build, things like IP information, domain reputation, just like putting all that together and building classifiers. So it was, you know, um, it was great. Even from a, from a threat intelligence perspective, we were applying unsupervised learning to like cluster infrastructure. You know, one of the cool projects that, you know, we were working on was like, can we actually anticipate a malicious infrastructure that, you know, we know it's going to show up in certain ASNs and automatically classify that as it appears before it's being used for malicious purposes. So, you know, we will build these huge clusters of infrastructure, anything from, you know, who is data to like, you know, uh, you know, uh, server information to application information. And then we will wait for that infrastructure to be used 
find those signals and then predict from now on all their similar infrastructure that was going to be used by that threat actor. You know, you asked how we are using that today. One of the interesting use cases that we are working at NUTS is like we are building these, uh, you know, we are giving customers this huge database of supply chain. So basically we are able to map all your SaaS vendors, but at the same time, we are able to tell you who your SaaS vendors, vendors are, right? And the mm. way we do that is really applying similar techniques that we used to use in, in, in threat intelligence, which is, you know, if I can scan the internet, if I can do things like passive DNS and, you know, uh, domain analysis and, and look at things like JavaScript that you include in your, in your website, look at content security policies, I can build this huge database of what vendors you are leveraging because those little snippets that you leave around your infrastructure. So it's funny that, you know, using some of those same techniques we used to use to like find uh, malicious infrastructure, we, could, we can use to actually map that supply chain infrastructure for our, for our customers today. That's awesome. It, it reminds well, me like they're almost one in the same because you were looking for malicious infrastructure and in some cases, having unsanctioned SaaS applications is almost like having malicious infrastructure that your employees are using. And, you know, when you have something like a tool that can use AI and for summarization, image generation, um, programming, really anything like that is great power. Like you can augment some of your work to a machine. Maybe you can make your work a little bit faster. Uh, but with any type of power as as Uncle Ben said, you know, great power comes great responsibility. That's where I think the the gap is when it comes to security is like finding the shadow IT, finding which SaaS applications your users are using, even if they are sanctioned and allowed, just having that inventory. Um, what have you seen to be successful from, you know, focusing on nudge for finding those unsanctioned, unprovisioned, unknown applications? Yeah, definitely. So, so two uh, core things that we that we found, and, and it's kind of like the foundation of our company, right? One is you can't protect your SaaS applications if you don't know <laughs> what applications they are, right? Like, yep. and we see a lot of SaaS security companies focusing on that second part of the equation, which is like, tell me your ten uh, SaaS applications and and connect them each of them, and then I'm gonna tell you what's wrong. And, and that's great, but what about the other 300 applications that your, your uh, employees are using that you don't even know about, right? right? So that's the first core problem that we focus on at Natch. And, and to be fair, it, you know, back in the day when we started Alienball, it was kind of the same. It's like companies didn't have any sort of visibility in terms of network data and, you know, telemetry from endpoints or log, log data, right? So like, it was first, well, let's solve the visibility problem and then you can focus on solving all of the other problems, right? So interestingly, the, the, the way we saw companies trying to solve this problem, like the, how, how do I discover all those SaaS applications? We, we saw a lot of problems, right? Like we saw people mining expense reports, right? But great, I'm, I'm gonna give you a list of things. You don't know who is using it. You don't know how many people are using it, how mm -hmm. often, so that, that's a problem. You can do network analysis. Well, again, many problems with like, do you have visibility to every single endpoint, like mobile phones, you know, endpoints? Do you know what those, um, you know, network patterns look like when people are using 
is someone visiting GitHub to look at documentation or is someone visiting GitHub to actually use GitHub as a source code repository, right? So there are many, many details from the network perspective and from the endpoint perspective. So we came up with a very novel approach, which is like, you know, nowadays, every time you create an account in a SaaS provider, the first thing that they do is like send you an email, right? So like, welcome wrong to salesforce.com. Thank you for enabling two-factor authentication. Hey, Rod, you just forgot your password. Here's the link. So the technology that we built is like a really simple connection to your Office 365 or Google Workspace APIs where we do very targeted searches for those emails and we're able within seconds, minutes, or depending on how big your organization is, no, 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 not ever more than, more than a few hours, we can give you visibility into every single account mm. has, that has been created ever by any employee and then provide analytics on top of that and you know a lot of use cases. But that's really the core you know, discovery uh, process that we came up with. Then we complement that th with things like OAuth grants, right? Like, you know, when you log in with Google or log in with Microsoft, and then you can connect that to other data sources like your IDP, like your Octas and, and Azure ADs of the world. And that gives you really a really amazing visibility in real time of, uh, of every application and also enables you to be proactive about that. And that's kind of like the, the second part of the story and why we are called NAT security, right? Which is we encourage people to automatically engage with those employees as they are making decisions, right? So if you are uh, about to adopt a new uh, SaaS tool, we see that you create an account, we can automatically nudge you and ask you about how you're gonna use this, or maybe we can provide some uh, policies in terms of how you're supposed to use it. So, you know, our tool really allow people to create those automations to engage with the employees. And really it's about your employees are, don't, don't treat your employees as the bad guys, as, you know, threat <laughs> actors, right? You have to treat your employees as part of the solution and, and not the problem. And, and that's really the philosophy that we are trying to build at, at, at night. Yeah, I love the name because that's essentially what you want to do with your employees. You don't want to have them hold their hand out and smack it. You want to nudge them into doing the right things or at least asking the right questions. Yeah. Um, and I haven't heard of any company that's taken that approach. I've actually worked at attack service management companies and, you know, everyone gets so obsessed with API integrations like, OK, let me just connect up to every single API. Well, those things take time to develop and implement into any product. And then, you know, we're talking about SaaS adoption being like an addiction. There is a new SaaS application every five, 10 minutes especially with, you know, chat GPT being out, Copilot being out. Like I'm I'm coding a lot more nowadays just because I have access to a little bit of help and kind of like a, uh, a pair programming buddy. When you look at applications like chat GPT, um, even, you know, using MidJourney and Discord, what are the risks, right? Like what, why would a company want to nudge their employees to think twice about using those tools? Yeah. So here it's, it's every company's got to have a different uh, risk, uh, you know, appetite and, and different policies, right? And, and we are seeing both sides of the spectrum, right? One side with, we have companies like, you know, JP Morgan and Amazon and, you know, Bank of America that publicly say, we don't allow employees to get chat GPT is just so much too much risk for us, right? 
Uh, they are not sure about how the data is being used, if that data is going to be used for training feature models. Uh, they don't know what, where the data is going to end up with. And sometimes they're even competing with those providers, right? Yep. Like Microsoft or Amazon. <laughs> so I, I still think that's going to be the case for the 1%. And, you know, I always come back uh, to the, 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 you know, the one pers percenters in cybersecurity, which is like, those wealthy companies that have resources to attack problems that way, which is like, no, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna invest millions of dollars on making sure people can use this tool, and maybe I'm gonna even build internally uh, a similar tool that employees can use. That's not the case with the, the vast majority of companies out there, right? Like right. I think most companies out there want to make sure that the employees can use those tools so they can be more productive, right? And, and more innovative, like. I think that blocking employees from doing those things is, is a mistake. So I think the approach that we are advocating for, which is provider providing those matches, right? It's like, hey, be careful what data you are uploading here, or you know, by policy you can only do X, Y, and C. Or even like, hey, we're already paying for this tool. You shouldn't be using this tool. Here is a license for another tool that you know we we already did a security review for, it, it already went through procurement. So there are many things you can do. Or even simple things like, you know, make sure you enable two-factor authentication. Or in many cases, we, we know already if it's not enabled and nudge them to actually, hey, you are not using SSO for this, please enable two-factor authentication. Uh, and in some cases, you can even do it yourself, right? But, mm. you know, it varies on, on, on those use cases. I think the second problem we're seeing is like, it's not just the the applications, uh, the SaaS applications that employees are bringing. In fact, it's like the new trend of uh, productivity tools where you connect things together, right? So it's like, you know, all of this happened, uh, you know, you have a hundred different all grants that you have, you know, granted in Google because like you connect your Sapier to your Salesforce or your Hotspot and Hotspot to your segment and segment yep. to your... You know, it's just like interconnectivity of SaaS tools. And let me tell you something, like traditional cybersecurity tools are not suited for that, right? Like there is no endpoints, there is no network, <laughs> you know, like it's it's vendor to vendor communication. So like you have, you need a completely different approach to really deal with risk uh, when you see those, uh, you know, uh, connectivities uh, across different applications. I'm going to jump in for a second. Jaime and the Nudge team wanted me to ask you, our listeners, a question. Are your employees practicing safe SaaS? The best way to find out is with Nudge Security. They have a patented approach to SaaS discovery that gives you a full inventory of all of your apps ever introduced by anyone in your org. And it's all done in minutes. Their solution also provides automated workflows that make it easy to nudge your employees to take simple yet impactful security steps like enabling single sign-on, multi-factor authentication, and revoking risky OAuth grants to finally disable all of those accounts that are no longer needed. Start taking control of SaaS Sprawl now with a free 14-day trial and see it for yourself. So please visit nudgesecurity.com forward slash Hacker Valley to get started right now. And with that, let's jump back into the episode. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, like another thing that I hear over and over again, especially on social media from cybersecurity practitioners is 
don't use chat GPT because you never know what they're using that data for. Like that you're putting in information into the tool as a prompt and are they using it for training? Are they using it for just like analytics for another, you know, uh, any, any type of use cases? You, it's not very clear what companies are using it for, but it's interesting because many tools now have an AI function. One tool that we use a lot at Hacker Valley is Notion. Mm-hmm. And that's one tool that you wouldn't expect to use your data in a machine learning way to help support other customers. So like what I hear a lot is third party risk is a big thing. It's hard to grasp, especially from a SaaS uh, perspective. You know, when you go through that due diligence for one organization and then six months later, they have a machine learning capability or AI large language model capability. Is it time to go back and then reevaluate like the privacy policy and how they use your data? How would you approach that? Yeah, it really depends on the use case, right? If in the case of Notion, I mean, they already had access to your, your whatever data you were storing there, right? It's just like, well, now they may be using a third party, you know, API, like, you know, OpenAI, you know, GPT-3, GPT-4, whatever it is, or other APIs. So like, it's also knowing where the sub processors are. Like maybe it's not Notion, the one, uh, and I can remember now, I do feel like Notion is using OpenAI API. So like now all of a sudden it's not just Notion, right? It's like, there's another third party that is, uh, yes. has access to your data. So. Again, that, that use case where you are able to map uh, those relationships across our services becomes really important when, when looking at this risk, right? And, you know, all of the other things that I will look uh, at is like, you know, SOC 2 certifications, reviewing those documents, making sure you feel comfortable with the controls that they have in place. Uh, you know, anything from, you know, what other tool in there using from a security perspective, right? Like there, there's a lot of information you can collect to make sure that, you know, you feel comfortable. And my favorite one, really, especially for smaller companies is like, you know, it's kind of like crowdsource that uh, assessment is like, if you have companies uh, with big security teams, like, you know, Google or Netflix or Facebook, and they're using those tools, it means they have already gone through a pretty tough, you know, (laughs) assessment. So like, if you're a small company, there isn't much you can add there. Uh, so that trust relationship between, you know, what are their existing customers? And it, that can be a pretty good uh, signal um, to feel more comfortable with, you know, adopting some of those tools. Yeah. And I really liked what you were saying about almost like your integrations, like you integrate SAP to Slack and then Slack to Google Workspace, Google Workspace to to Zoom. And now you have this sprawl of data. You don't know, really know who has access, ownership. How do you and, you know, what are you all doing at Nudge to make sense out of it all? Because I'm sure it's a lot of like, it's almost like unraveling a ball of yarn. Yeah. So in terms of our product, we, we have the ability to build that graph of relationships uh, in terms of, you know, connectivity across uh, certain apps, like think about Slack, think about, you know, Zoom, uh, you know, Okta, Google, Microsoft. So we're able to find those grants and actually create risk profiles for those. It, it's mm-hmm. not just, you know, it's it's about what type of access they have, how are they accessing the data uh, between which applications, you know, 
uh, how many users are using it, like how popular that application is, like is this something that showed up yesterday or, you know, is this established company that has, has been going on for a while, right? So there's a lot of features you can pull uh, in order to build those risk profiles and help, you know, companies really focus on what's more important because every time we bring a new customer, they, they all of the island, they are dealing with, you know, tens of thousands of accounts and, and tens of thousands of all of grounds that they don't even know existed, <laughs> right? Because it's so easy to click that, yes, I, I, I authorize whatever with, you know, to get access to my calendar or whatever, right? So mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's an interesting problem for sure. Just, just click yes, 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 all the way through. Updated privacy policy, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, most people don't pay attention to that anymore. It's just they, they, they just want to move forward, right? Yeah. So you mentioned you use Copilot. It maybe you know writes fifteen percent of your code, and you have a team of developers. So give us a bit of a rundown as to what type of AI Nudge is using. Like what kind of strategies are you employing? What are you um, seeing as helpful? Kind of like, I want to be inspired as well as, you know, someone that's a AI enthusiast. Yeah. So the, you know, the, the main part and then the core functionality where we are actually applying a, a lot of AI is really on, on that email uh, classification, right? So the the algorithm that we build is it's based on the premise that we don't need to know uh, a SaaS application exists in advance. You know the algorithm is able to figure out you know this is a SaaS application because I found certain patterns. I classify those patterns with a supervised approach. You know we use uh, uh, we use Bert in this case, but one of the early uh, kind of like you know LLMs and and then uh, we you know we classify those emails. And then from now on, we we'll start we we'll start getting information about what that application is, what it means, uh, who created it, and that's all automated and and mm -hmm. and driven through you know different machine learning approaches. So you don't have to have manual you know labor to classify every single one because it's unmanageable, right? It's not only unmanageable, but also it, you can never do it as fast as you know having a pretty good algorithm that does that for you. Uh, so the minute there's a new application, you know, that is, it's going to be found, it's going to be classified properly and, and customers can get, uh, information out of it. And same thing for, for those supply chain use cases, right? Like how, how we find that information. We do a lot of text classification as well to like find compliance certifications or find, you know, sub processors. Like there's a lot of signals we collect and, and we, the, where we apply those techniques in order to help us. Uh, with with automation, love it. So one thing we didn't get to speak about is what was the premise behind Nudge? Like, what where did the idea come from originally? Like, I'm sure you had to do a lot of research, maybe uh, speak to some uh, security experts, CISOs. How did you uh, narrow in on SaaS and protecting it this way? Yeah, so Raz Spitler, which is my my co-founder, you know, he he got us started a little bit earlier. Uh, and you know, he was initially focused on this use case for consumers, right? So the idea was like, consumers don't know where, you know, what, what accounts they have created, where they have, uh, you know, added credit card information. So like the idea was like, how can we help consumers do that? And then, you know, he, he reached out to me. I'm like, uh, 
I'm not doing a consumer company, and I think this problem is actually much more acute on the enterprise. And then we kind of like started talking to CISOs, and you know they confirm uh, our suspicion, right? Which is like a lot of organi- most organizations out there are are in this situation where they don't have a clear, uh, you know, understanding of what's out there, and then they don't have good processes to deal with with this, right? I think it helped that some of the organizations we have worked with before, especially large enterprises, we saw they were actually a, 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 you know approaching this problem with you know like the 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 examples we gave with Amazon's, the Amazons of the world, the Bank of Americas of the world, which is like blocking first, and we think that that those organizations are gonna are gonna have a really hard time remaining competitive in this environment, right? Mm-hmm. It's just you know, you're going to have a hard time keeping people happy and keeping employees engaged because they want to use the tools that they like and not the tools that you're <laughs> forcing into them. And then you're going to, uh, you know, we're seeing developments every single week, right? Every single week there's new tooling, there's new research. And, you know, by the time you have done all that manual validation and risk profile and, you know, procurement processes, like, it may be too late, right? So like, I feel like there has to be more automation and, and we need to rethink that uh, block of block first approach when it comes to uh, adoption of these tools, right? I think that it, it, those companies are gonna have a, a hard time. I'm not saying you can't block things, right? Uh, and you know, don't don't get me wrong. What I'm saying that that, that can be the default. Uh, for this type of, of uh, you know, problem, right? When you are mm-hmm. dealing with malware, great. Yes, you had to block first. But when, when you are dealing with an employee trying to get their work done in a more productive way, I think blocking them and uh, it, it's the, the wrong approach. And we do have some research. Uh, we actually, one of our advisors is a professor of psychology and, you know, we have a, a, a great white paper in our in our website where, you know, they did uh, some research uh, where they will uh, have different approaches, right? With like a set of people, they will block them or they, they will nudge them. And then we can prove that actually nudging in the long term is a, a much successful technique uh, when it comes to this. Because you know what? Like people are going to go around your controls. Like if you're blocking them, <laughs> they're going to go to their personal devices. They're going to create an account. And then you're you are burying this monster under the table, right? Like instead of like you know making sure you deal with the problem, you're just burying that that problem underground, and it's gonna become a bigger problem in the future, right? So I think yeah, uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's the run approach. Yeah, I really like the uh, idea of bringing in a psychologist to help you know uncover what is the behavior that is most rewarding and that's going to really accelerate innovation? Because that's, that's, that's the name of the game, accelerating innovation, growing the business. I really like that you all brought in a psychologist there. What was the reasoning behind that? Like who, whose idea was that? It was, it was Rice's idea. Uh, and, you know, I think the, the main, you know, I mean, we, we, are, we are, we all, want to have data to support the uh you know the ideas that we have and the 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 things that we believe are true right so we want to have data that actually you know hopefully supports those ideas and maybe it doesn't but that's totally fine maybe we were wrong 
But you know, so far what we have seen is like we are in the in the in the uh, in a good path, right? And and that data is supporting the idea that yes, engaging with employees is it's it's better than you know blocking them from doing everything. I think the other important piece is like the culture in in companies, right? Mm-hmm. If you are preventing people from doing everything, they're not gonna trust you, right? And, and more importantly, uh, if they know that you are monitoring them and you are like blocking them from doing what they want, but instead, if you engage with them and you uh, and you offer help, or more importantly, you offer their opinion, you ask for their opinion, uh, it they're gonna become part of the team and they're gonna feel like the company is you know they're a part of the company, they're a part of the team, and that you know. It's not just the security team at the rest of the and the rest of the company. It's like the security team should be every single person at the company, right? Because we all know we have done this for many, many years. Like everyone can, you know, like we have so many stories of like random employees that were critical to find a bridge before it happened, right? Because there was something off. And if you train them, if you engage with them, they're always there to help the security team and not just like think that the security team is the enemy and I just need to go around them. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to get anything done, right? Yeah. When we first were speaking about Nudge and, you know, kind of like the the strengths that you bring to the table for organizations, one of the things I loved the most was the ease of onboarding. You know, everyone uses email. You point it at your email, your email provider, and then boom, you have a list of SaaS applications. Um what would you say is has been the biggest success story so far with Nudge and the customers and prospects that you worked with? So one of the the biggest uh, successes, uh, and, and again, I, I want to be careful here in terms of like you know, I, I don't want people to feel that like you know, when breaches happen, that's good for us. That's not the message. But you know, let let's say that we have been lucky enough that in the last you know three years, there has been many, many breaches affecting SaaS uh, uh, providers, right? You know, we have seen LastPass, we have seen Okta, we have seen, you know, Twilio, like many, many SaaS providers, right? So they that has reinforced the story that SaaS is actually <laughs> critical for organization these days. Uh, you know, it's not longer your software supply chain. That's great. And people are spending a lot of resources on that. But your SaaS supply chain, I will argue, is it's sometimes even more important, and it's at risk right now, right? Because we are seeing, you know, uh, I, you know, just today or or yesterday, I I think Mandian finally published details uh, about the latest, uh, you know, supply chain compromise of a SaaS provider that I'm not gonna name, but you know, we we have certain threat actors. In this case, it was a North Korean actor that was uh, targeting SaaS uh, companies uh, that had customers in the crypto and fintech spaces, right? Because they, they, we know they are, they have, uh, you know, large teams focusing on stealing cryptocurrencies and bringing revenue to uh, North Korea, uh, right. you know, using that. So, you know, all those things are helping us. And then every time one of those uh, breaches happen, what we do is we automatically notify our customers uh, not only about whether they were a customer of that of that SaaS provider, but actually we send them a list of the supply chain. So like 
maybe you're not a, 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 a maybe you are not um, a customer of LastPass, but these are your ten critical SaaS providers that are actually using LastPass. So you wanna you probably wanna contact contact them, make sure that they did a risk assessment, and you probably wanna keep an eye on on that and and figure out if you need to you know uh, uh, rotate certain credentials, etc. etc. Et so yeah. that's super important. And then when we send those notifications, many times customers call us back and it's like, oh my gosh, you just save our day because you know you were right. There there was something wrong there. Or things like, you know, we didn't we thought we didn't use LastPass, but actually uh we used to have a CFO that used LastPass in the past and no one ever deleted that account. Right. Mm. So that account is still had, you know, access to uh, certain credentials. So it's a nightmare out there. Again, because that visibility, most companies don't understand, uh, you know, what's out there and how powerful that that visibility becomes once you have it. Yeah, I think SaaS can be a nightmare, especially in the terms of security. But I don't think it has to be that way. And I think luckily, you know, with companies like yours, Nudge Security, that's starting to change and it's becoming a bit more manageable for someone that wants that one piece of advice or that place to start uh, for just being a little bit more secure when it comes to SaaS security. Uh, what would be your advice? What would be your advice to them? I think you know, engaging on defining policies and 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 having visibility early on. Uh, you know, it's super important. Like the sooner the later, right? When you have ten employees, it's pretty easy to have that visibility and set some precedent so people understand the policy and, you know, some basic training on, you know, what to look at. Uh, but once you become, you know, like a thousand, two thousand people organization, if you haven't done anything about it, it's just, you know, a nightmare. And we work with a lot of those organizations where they were, you know, tech startups, like high, high growing companies, they grew so fast, everything was using different tools and that was fine. But at some point, you know, you have to say, well, this is too much risk for me, right? I need mm -hmm. to make sure I have a process in place and I, and I can put some controls in place so at the very least I know what's going on, right? And and that's, uh, I think that visibility piece is, is where people need to start. I mean, without visibility, you, you can't, I mean, it, we always say this and it's cliche, right? But like, I mean, you can't protect what you can see, right? If you don't know exactly. what it is, like, how are you going to make sure things are, are right? That's it. I mean, that's a huge piece of advice. Uh, start now. It's never too late to start. And you can't protect what you can't see. So the only way you can do it is by doing it. Jaime, thanks again for jumping on the mics, sharing some time, also letting us know about Nudge Security, wishing you and the company the best. For anyone that wants to stay up to date with Jaime and also Nudge Security, check out the show notes and description wherever you're listening or watching this episode. And with that, we'll see everyone next time.